You're listening to the Tourette Love and Arms podcast, a show about mental health and the things that make us human. We'll be sharing stories and conversations about topics we tend not to talk about, like depression, addiction, self-injury, and suicide. Each week, you'll be hearing stories from some amazing people. We'll talk about how mental health has shaped their journey, and you'll continue to hear ways how you can carry this conversation into your community. We hope you'll not only connect to the episodes and conversations in a meaningful way, but we hope that maybe this podcast will make it easier for you to have conversations in your own life. On this episode, we're joined by Indy Rojas. She is a designer and founder of Anxi Magazine. Anxi is a publication that shares personal stories and explores topics we can all relate to, like anger and boundaries. It's beautifully and thoughtfully designed. Indy is originally from the Dominican Republic, but she now calls Berkeley, California her home. I'm really excited to share our conversation with you because she talks powerfully about her story, which includes abuse and trauma, and her experience moving to a new country. It's super interesting to see how Anxi was created from her own desire to speak more openly about her experiences. Anxi and Toloha, I think, share a pretty similar goal. We want to see people share their stories in a meaningful and beautiful and creative way. I'm so excited to have a conversation with our friend Indy here. She uh, is the principal creative director at Anagraph. She's also the founder of Anxi Magazine. And before I get into a lot of the details about our conversation, I actually want you to just introduce yourself to our listeners. Yes. Yeah, so hi, everyone. Um, I'm Indira Rojas, and people call me Indy for short. I'm the founder of Anxi Magazine, and I've been a designer in the industry for you know, around 15 years now. Um, And I'm really passionate about, you know, helping people tell their stories. One of the things that got me really, really excited to talk with you, Indy, was was the magazine, Anxi. It is one of the most beautiful publications. So we're going to we don't, obviously, this is a podcast and you can't see it, but we're going to make sure that there's uh, links to the the publications and some of the imagery that goes along with Anxi. But we, I wanted you to just kind of explain what is Anxi, and then I want to get into kind of um, some of your story and how this is actually birthed out of that. Yeah, so Anxi is a biannual publication um, focused on mental health through a creative lens. And what that means is that Every year we pick two themes we're going to focus on and we collect stories that really focus on how people have managed things in their lives that were difficult or that, you know, affected them in a deep way. And we do that through uh, personal narratives, uh, photo essays short op-eds. Sometimes we also do uh, funny things like a comic. Um, And what we're trying to do is allow people to really express themselves in in a way that they, you know, haven't been able to um, in in, in other ways. One of the ways that I love that you guys describe angsty is reflecting on our our inner worlds. um, And that when you come across Anxi Magazine, it's really unlike anything else I've seen, right? You, In the mental health space or in maybe psychology, there's very few uh, publications that are going to kind of give you 
the the truth of of an individual's experience. And I feel like you guys do that so well. So I want to hear a little bit from you about how did you come up with Anxie? How did you get the inspiration to move in this direction? Yeah, so I, you know, I've been in my own journey of you know figuring out my own mental health um, and navigating you know trauma experiences that I've had in the past and. I found as a, as a designer and as an artist, I found that a lot of the content that was available to me or the content that I was able to get access to sometimes felt like over-medicalized or it felt like it wasn't something that appealed to me as someone who's very visual. And I started to see this space where I wanted to find stories like mine, people who are struggling like me, and in a way that also made me feel like it was content that it was inspiring. Um, and that's where I, I made the connection. Um, I was like, well, I, I want to hear other personal stories, but I also find that I, I'm first, I'm not finding those stories. And mm-hmm. second, what I find it it's not, you know, it's not aligned with uh, the type of content that I consume uh, on, on other topics, right? Yeah. In terms of being design driven. Um, and that's where I found um, the gap. Yeah. So one of the things you guys did or when what you did when you were launching Anxie was you shared more of your story. I was wondering if you could maybe give us a little bit more background. Like you talk about part of your story, but do you mind kind of going back to to the early part of that and talking to that? I actually talk about my story very openly and it's something that I'm trying to do more and more because I think it aligns with the mission of what we're trying to do. I'm a victim and survivor of child sexual abuse of a very early age. And that's something that obviously affected my life deeply. When you have this experience such an early age, you don't really have a lot of choice, right? It's not something you can control. It's not something that you don't even understand what's happening. Um, and it's something that you have to live with from, you know, being, you know, in my case, a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spend the whole trajectory going from my teenage years to my adulthood, mm-hmm. figuring out what was happening to me internally. Yeah. So, and you grew up in the Dominican Republic. And so you are having these experiences, um, and like you said, you're leaving maybe now the Dominican Republic, and I know that you ended up moving to New York um, and going to Parsons. And I, I was really curious about that transition, um, because a lot of what To Write Love on Her Arms does is identifying that story and that narrative and and trying to make that relatable, but here you are in the middle of your story, and and I was really struck by some of the things you shared when you talked about the launching of Anxie about understanding yourself first. And I was curious if you could speak a little bit about that. Yeah, so the, the interesting thing about um, trauma is that it, not, it doesn't all emerge at the same time. So something you know happened when I moved to New York that I was no longer um, in the place where the trauma event happened. I was in the place where I felt safer. Um, and a lot of the experience um, that I had, I was able to finally look at it from from a distance. I found myself in this place where I I was unraveling emotionally. I didn't really understand um, why I had all these intense experiences out of you know what I presume were really kind of basic exchanges or dynamics with people. You know, as an immigrant coming into New York as a student, of course, New York is an awesome place to be someone who's creative and someone who uh, likes to stay busy because it's so energetic and there's so much going on. You know, at the same time, I, I did feel like I was in a new place and I was trying to find my footing. And, and you know, 
the effects of trauma in my daily lives are, were starting to um, really take a toll on me in terms of, you know, me feeling broken, me feeling misunderstood, me feeling that no one really, you know, is paying attention to my needs and my experience. And at some point, I was really feeling like I, I need to talk to someone about this. I remember I had a boyfriend I tried to kind of open up with, and I feel like he couldn't really hold that experience. And all his main advice was like, you know, if you if you feel that you need to, you know, talk to someone, maybe maybe you should go try to talk um, to a professional. And and it was funny because Parsons actually has this program. Um, that's where I went um, for my um, BFA through through a scholarship. They have a program where if you're an uh, international student, they continue to be in a period of transition, which means that they make counseling available to you. Wow, that's because awesome. they want to. Yeah, they want to make sure that you integrate properly, that you have the support that you need. You're going to be away from family for the first time, yeah. you know, all of these things. And that saved my life. I remember seeing the flyers around campus and I just, you know, I chose the first person uh, that was available and she became a therapist for the next two, three, four years. Um, and when I walked into, you know, her office, I just sat there and I started bawling and screaming and just, you know, just letting all of this out that I was holding for such a long time. Wow. And, you know, it, it, that's sort of what like my first, you know, glimpse into how important it is to be able to talk about these things openly and how it's difficult for us, even with our closest friends, to be able to share that story. Um, so that's sort of where the premise of, of Anxi started um, in terms of me connecting the dots of, you know, the value of storytelling on men in mental health. Yeah. And I want to go back a little bit to what you just said about how it's so hard for us to open up to our friends. I'm curious for you within your family or within um, maybe even the cultural kind of setting in the Dominican Republic, how did you, did you feel like there was a difference or did you feel more free here? Or was there just some element of just the physical safety that gave you the opportunity to explore those questions? Well, I think that just to give you a timeline, we're talking about when I was 23, I went to Parsons and I, and I, you know, I found this therapist and I was able to share my story with her. I didn't share my story with anyone until I, I wrote that medium post wow. that was okay. two years ago. Okay. You know, even then it just, it takes a lot of, you know, I, I wouldn't even know how to express it, but you just don't want people to think that you're different because, right. you know, you had this experience and, and many times because we don't talk about it. I was just, for example, listening to Debbie Millman um, talking to Tim Ferriss, where she talks about her experience with being in an abusive environment where there was also, you know, a sexual abuse. And Debbie has been in the industry for years. Um, and, you know, it's something that I feel like now she's starting to open up about. Um, so I, I do think it takes, you know, a lot of time to be able to find yourself in a place where you feel safe enough and comfortable enough to be vulnerable in a public way. And what we want to do with Inksy is sort of say, let's start creating this space so that gap for when you are ready to open up doesn't feel so, you know, so big. No, that's awesome. I, I feel like when I picked up Anxie for the first time, 
when I got to read through it, not only is it beautiful, but it's just so compelling and so honest and transparent. And I felt with To Write Love on Our Arms and with kind of the work that we do more through social media and online, it felt like kind of like the the same goal, like the kindred kind of spirits, like we're both looking at that and really just wanting more than anything for people to know that it's okay to be honest and to know that there are safe spaces to be honest. And I think your story kind of demonstrates that in a really healthy way where for you it was a slow finding that safe space, cultivating that safe space, and then angsty being that kind of the outward expression of that. I would like to talk a little bit more about angsty and just kind of how you how you came through the process of deciding what what topics are you covering and what I know at one point you said they're they're very biographical and so I'd love you to talk a little bit about that. I would say that as a uh, as a trauma survivor, my relationship with anger is very complex, and that is what inspired the theme for the first issue. I was just curious to learn more. You know how do how do people manage anger and 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 when is you know anger appropriate and and when does anger start crossing a line and how do we talk about anger as a as a community and as a society and for me that that's sort of where that autobiographical element comes in that there's these themes that kind of bubble up in my own journey that then become things that I get curious about that then I share with the NC team as a as a potential theme. Mm. And and then we get to, you know, explore it more. So the second theme for our, you know, our issues was the workaholism issue. And this is something that is something that I struggle with as well. Uh, work had became and and still sort of is a coping mechanism for me, um, in which you know, if you're busy, if you're distracted, if you're occupied all the time, it really helps you, you know, regulate what folks might feel as a deep sense of emptiness or um, a loneliness. And and I and, and that's something that I also wanted to explore. What does workaholism mean? When are we working hard versus working compulsively? Um, and what are people's relationships to work in general? So I want to go back real quick about the anger and then maybe even for the workaholism. What what has the, this process kind of taught you? Like what has combining all of these stories and essays and like you had mentioned that there some are established voices and some are up and coming voices and it's kind of a very dynamic mix. But what have you learned from these, like putting these issues together? The biggest thing I've learned is that we are all in some type of journey that, you know, sometimes when I think of my story being very unique and, you know, haven't been really affected by it, I'm still, you know, also affected by the stories that people send us and the stories that we publish and realizing that, you know, this idea that we're, we're not alone, I, I, I kind of witness it every time we publish an issue because the things that people are navigating in their lives are so complex and even in, you know, even in my experience that I consider it, you know, very dark and difficult, there are other people that are experiencing things that I also feel are, you know, of deep, deep impact in their lives. And every time we release an issue, I just feel a sense of, you know, connectedness to those stories and, and realizing that there is complexity and hoping that through us sort of like threading our stories together, we can start to uh, express what it's really like to be a human in the world. I love that. I think what's really cool is that your publication, it's it's physical, right? It's tangible. 
So what was it about the physicality of it though? Why was that so important? Like why not just a blog <laughs> or, or, you know, and not to minimize it. Like I think it's really wonderful, but I'm just curious yes, what that no, process no. was like for you in deciding what does this become and where does it live? Well, so the ethos of Anxie is really art, right? Like we, for me, art is the vehicle through which we connect with people emotionally and allow them to, in a way, uh, connect with all their senses, not just what they're reading, but also what they're seeing and how they're seeing it. And there's just more control that you can have on that experience if it's in print. Um, And, you know, outside of that, I also believe that something happens when you read something digitally where you're already distracted. You're probably already multitasking. You're in the <laughs> middle of going from one place to another. You start I know nothing reading about this, Indy. I know nothing <laughs> about that experience. <laughs> you know, you start reading a thing and then you get interrupted, and you know, it's it's you you really can't. How are you going to connect with like a really vulnerable story when that's the context in which you're reading it? So we really wanted to control that a little bit and say, hey, if you have it at home and if it's in print, you probably hold it in your hands. Um, and you, you, you'll focus on it in a way that you wouldn't otherwise. And also it doesn't go into this vacuum of content online that just disappears. Like we want you to come back to this stories later. Like a lot of the stuff that we write, we consider evergreen and it has a shelf life of at least six months, which means that you can read and reread the stories, you know, months and, and, and weeks, uh, ahead and, and it's still relevant and it can still be of influence to you. At Twaloha, we're big fans of birthdays and celebrating what matters. Facebook has made it easy for you to turn your birthday into a celebration of hope. You can now donate your birthday on Facebook to a nonprofit you care about. When you choose Twaloha, you'll be helping us continue to share the message of hope and connecting people to the help they need and deserve. For example, when you raise $200, you'll help us connect 600 people to local mental health resources in their community. So if your birthday is coming up soon, you can create your page today using the fundraiser shortcut when you're logged into Facebook. Or if you want to learn more, you can simply go to twiloha.com birthday. You can find the link to both of those things in our show notes. I'm curious for you... In this process of putting so much of yourself and learning so much, um, how has it been working in like a, t- a team setting? And then maybe talking a little bit about um, the the fun buzzword self care and what that looks like for you in this process. Mm-hmm. So to talk a little bit about the team first, um, I feel really lucky that um, actually I started as a Kickstarter project that was something I shared with friends I had from the editorial industry that I made through, you know, working at Medium and, and working at the Bull Italic. And they believed in the idea of what I was making. Well, that translates to a team that we don't work on ANSI full time. Um, we all we all sort of, you know, trickle in and out depending on the stage at which the magazine is in. So there's a lot of, you know, asynchronous and synchronous communication about the issue, Slack, emails, you know, in-person brainstorms, and then everyone back to doing their own thing. What I love about, you know, what what we're doing with Anxi is that the people that came together to create this magazine are bringing their own stories. And I love that I was able to, in a way, 
find my people, you know, like, like what the, the biggest benefit that I see of Angsty now is that it has allowed me to connect with people that care deeply about the things that I care about and to see myself in them. So I really love the fact that, you know, we're indie, we're trying to keep it scrappy and we kind of come together and <laughs> can appreciate this, this, that, you know, um, and like, you know, break apart when, when we need to. And, you know, and how that plays into self-care is that, of course, because we're trying to tackle other things, sometimes working with ANSI is what we do at off hours or we might work on ANSI, um, you know, after we've completed our eight hour, our eight hour day or, you know, and, and it's definitely been a struggle to find that balance. And I think finding the way to just close everything down and focus on myself is definitely one of the things that I'm, you know, working on. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm basically a chronic workaholic, so <laughs> that's even more difficult for me to do, but it, it's definitely where, you know, I think I'm going to have, you know, personally, my, my next opportunity for growth is to, is to find a way to undo or unwind this, you know, busy, busy, busy all the time. Yeah. What, what does that look like? I mean, if you, if you are working full-time and you've got this other like, kind of really important part of your life, right? Anxi as an expression, what things work for you? What, what do you turn to when things are hard and when things don't feel right? Um, or you're just kind of stressed? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm still in, in therapy, which to me is what gives me, what keeps grounding me. Hmm. And I, every time I go back um, to speak with my therapist, it helps me check in, <laughs> Um, and remember, all right, like I, I, I'm still working on this and I can observe how I, you know, my own behavior and I can reflect on, you know, if I were to have a spectrum of working crazy busy or finding balance, where am I today and what can I do tomorrow? Um, and, you know, talk and think about, you know, why have I been avoiding certain things or why I have this tendency to, you know, behave in a certain way. So I, I find that the for me, what helps me keep the most in check with my self-care is to work with others who, you know, cr- allow me to create that space where, where I can reflect. And it's almost like a forcing function. Mm-hmm. I, I also do some body work. Can you tell me a little bit more about that for people who may are not like maybe not familiar with body work? Yes, it's sort of interesting because I kind of learned, I, I learned the about it almost by accident. Okay. Um, Good accident, so, right? <laughs> yes. Um, body work looks like almost like a massage. Okay. Um, but it goes deeper than that. When we experience trauma, that trauma is, you know, coded into our bodies, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And a lot of people who experience chronic pain and don't know where this pain is coming from, sometimes it could be residue of, you know, a stressful event in their lives, of stress, of you know, all these things that we keep collecting every day. So through through the work that I do in body work, um, the person that, that works with me, she really gets into, you know, sort of like tissue and kind of like deep pockets of, you know, pain. And what starts to happen is, you know, depending on how, you know, that work is evolving, that you can start to release, mm, you know, okay. some of these things. Like in my case, I realized that body work also allows me to have a positive experience with physical touch. Um, and that's something that I didn't understand until, you know, done it, have been doing it for, you know, quite some time. No, that's really powerful. I know that for a lot of the people that we talk with, a lot of supporters that we get to interact with, they do talk about, 
you know, trauma really taking a home in your body. And uh, there's a lot of support and evidence where trauma actually rewires um, your brain. And so it's so important to understand, to have really the word I think you were kind of getting at was just self-awareness and kind of being at home in, in that space, which is your body. And I think that's so powerful. I'm I'm curious how that awareness trickles into the rest of your life. Is that something that you would say you're now more comfortable sharing your insight or is it still sort of the internal journey for you? You know, for me, I think this this journey is, you know, a lifetime's journey. I definitely feel that I'm more aware and more attuned to, you know, my emotions and what's activating. And, you know, when I feel that I'm in a place where emotionally I'm, I'm going out through a route that I want to avoid, I think that I'm able to do that now in ways than when I was in my 20s was impossible to do. Um, so my level of self-awareness is definitely higher. And yet, I still find myself in situations in which I feel like I could benefit for even even more self-awareness. So, so the way that um, behavior is codified, especially in, 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 in a journey like mine where there's been a lot of trauma, um, is just, you know more difficult sometimes to, you know, create those new behaviors where you are attuned to your experience. Yeah, for sure. So outside of like Anxie Magazine, have there been other publications or books? I know that psychoeducation is kind of a one of the legs of Anxie. Like you wouldn't look at the publication and think, okay, I'm going to read 20 clinical journals about these <laughs> issues. You know, you don't, you have, n- that's not on the radar whatsoever. But yet you find in there some really um, amazing information and understanding just about the issues. So I'm curious how, how you kind of balance that and then what things you used to kind of help inform that process. I definitely feel that psychoeducation is really important, especially because it gives language to something that sometimes you have a hard time communicating about. One book that was really helpful for me is Complex PTSD um, by Pete Walker. And the the reason why that book was instrumental is because um, he does a really good job of explaining what is it like to experience being in a neglectful environment and how that translates into behavior and, you know, toxic inner talk and uh, trigger events and flashbacks. And these are all words that I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, So being able to get the language, understand the definitions, then be able to connect, oh, that's what I'm doing, right? That was really instrumental um, for me. So I'm curious for people listening who might identify or find kind of pieces of their story aligning with your story, what would you tell them? Like, what would you say to them if you could tell them one thing? I would tell them that repair is possible. When I think about myself, I felt very isolated in this idea that I was damaged goods and always going to be in conflict with people, always going to have these difficult this difficult personality and not realizing that that was direct consequence of the experiences I've had. And so if I were to tell them a second thing would be to say, it is absolutely natural that you would behave and act this way if you had such a traumatic experience. Hmm. 
and you know what that helps is like depersonalize it a little more mm-hmm. that it's it's really not you know you that's you know broken it's more that this experiences have codified certain behaviors in your life and that you can work towards trying to cope with some of them, trying to curb some of them, trying to repair some of them. Yeah, no, I think that's super powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I love how much you've been able to share part of your story. I mean, when you look at the angsty magazines, I know that there's so much of yourself kind of represented there, but it really also gives you many stories and many perspectives. Um, And I love that your kind of journey and your story has birthed this beautiful kind of community, this project that allows stories to be to presented in the, in the dignity and in the beauty that they they represent. You know, it's heavy and it's light and it's and it's just so awesome. So I'm excited for us to share Anxi with the Tuilaha audience and to kind of connect people with the work you're doing. I would love it if you could tell us, Indy, what's coming up for Anxi and, and if there's anything cool on the horizon you want to share with us. Yes. So First of all, thank you for that. It, it's, you know, the things that are happening with Anxi are things that I never expected. And, you know, it's, it's now growing into a, a community bigger than I, I imagine it would be. And that's, you know, exciting for me. Uh, you know, a little nerve wracking too. Yeah. Um, but I, I just feel so thankful that people are responding to and willing to be open in this way with me and with our magazine and everyone in our team. So just to say that, I just want to express some gratitude for everyone, you know, who might know Anxi already and who might be reading our stories and, and just, you know, acknowledge their, you know, contribution and, and participation in, in what we're making. Um, so what's next for us is like we've identified uh, the theme for the fourth issue and it's going to be the masculinity issue. Awesome. And Very this is exciting. something that, oh, thank you. Um, we're really, you know, interested in, just continuing to grow the conversation that's happening nationally and globally about how we define masculinity. And that's what we're going to tackle next. So where would people find the next issue? So um, we always do a Kickstarter. So that's going to be the first wave of opportunity to, you know, pre-order an issue. And then, you know, in the stockist um, that I mentioned before, you can find the list of all our stockists online at angstymag.com. You can go to our stockist section. And depending on where you are, you can see, you know, what stockists are available near you. And then online, of course, um, once the issue has been funded and printed, um, we'll have it for sale on our website, angstymag.com. That's so awesome. I'm very excited to have that in my hands. <laughs> I can't wait to order <laughs> thank it. Thank you. Um, so, Andy, thank you so much for sharing everything you have today, everything um, about your personal story and, and the genesis of Anxi. It's been really cool to hear more about the origin of it and um, just kind of the things that we can learn from you and what you're learning about your own story. So thank you so much for spending this time talking with me. Thank Indy Rojas for joining us on this episode of the Tuloha podcast. I was super inspired by her conversation, her courage, and all the work she's doing with Anxi Mag. If you want to learn more about Anxi Magazine, you can actually check out their website. It's anxymag.com. We'll also list that information in our show notes and on our website, tuloha.com slash podcast. We hope each episode is a reminder that your story is important. You matter and you're not alone. We understand that so many of you listening might be struggling or know someone who is struggling with the issues that we've been talking about. 
We believe that help exists. Part of our mission is to connect people to the help that they need and deserve. You can find local mental health resources at our website, twloha.com, and click the Find Help at the top of the page. Or if you need to talk to someone right now, you can always connect with our friends at Crisis Text Line. You simply text the word TWLOHA, that's T-W-L-O-H-A, to 741-741, and you'll be connected to a trained crisis counselor. It's free, confidential, and available 24-7. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, we hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can do us a favor, we'd really love for you to write us a review. It will help more people find this podcast and the mission of Tuoloha. If you have any feedback or questions, please send us an email to podcast at twaloha.com. A big thank you to our friends at Copeland for the original music on this episode. The Twaloha podcast is produced by Mark Codgen. Editorial support was provided by Claire Biggs and Jenny Armstrong of Lord DeForce. And music assistance provided by James Likeness and Ben Titchener. I'm Lindsay Kolsch. Thank you so much for listening. To Write Love on Her Arms is a nonprofit movement dedicated to presenting hope and finding help for people struggling with depression, addiction, self-injury, and suicide. Twaloha exists to encourage, inform, inspire, and also to invest directly into treatment and recovery. You can find more information about Twaloha at twaloha.com. <laughs>